Fashion Lab Africa. Real conversations, real fashion. Okay. Salam. Hello, darlings, and welcome to the Fashion Lab show. This is the show that dissects the business behind fashion. My name is Lisa Gumba Regisford, and I am back. I am your host. Uh, thank you for tuning in. We care about your insights. We care about your plugging in, and we're just happy to be back in studio. Now, you're tuned into the Fashion Lab. This is where we hold it down every Tuesday between 7 and 9 p.m. Central African time, right here on Massive Metro. And obviously, if you miss us live, you know where to find us. We can also be found on the podcasts. Uh, you can also log in fashionlabafrica.com. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Spotify, on Google Play. Share with us your thoughts. We definitely want to hear from you. Now, today we are going to be focusing on um, 10 key points that actually touch on the direction fashion is sort of headed to from an economic standpoint. Now, I want to use the latest McKinsey State of Fashion 2020 report as a guide. And I think that it's very important to understand uh, that this industry is a is a big industry, is fat, is heavy. But at the, at the same time, I think that a lot of um, the industry value chain is sitting on the edge today. Now, despite the fact that the fashion industry is on the edge, there's all of these things happening, including the latest, which is the coronavirus, which has definitely sort of impacted this industry in such a big way. Not neg- not positively. We definitely spoke about this last week. If you missed this week last, uh, la- if you missed the show around the coronavirus last week and its sort of effect on fashion, make sure you tune in or plug in onto fashionlabafrica.com and catch up with that. But the truth of the matter is, um, evolving channels, shifting markets, groundbreaking research of revenue opportunities and the chance for a radical innovation. So there's hope, but it's one of the most crucial times for the fashion industry to sort of come up with strategic steps to step back or sleep. I don't know what we're going to do. But anyway, guys, there's hope. So um, quickly, just key things. We're going to touch a bit on the high fashion alert, which will sort of help us unpack a bit about what we should be doing when we are on the edge because this is really something that's big we want to talk about beyond china as well we're going to touch on that a bit we're looking at production beyond china for those who are also affected which is almost the whole fashion value chain already affected by the coronavirus so far it's about us looking and saying what's the next step and how do you still keep it moving um we're going to speak and touch a bit about the next gen socials we're going to speak about uh, the neighborhood um in the neighborhood keeping it locked and finding ways to be able to sort of leverage yourself as a fashion brand as a fashion um key person or professional within a space uh, other than looking at a bigger market you could also just really hone in your focus onto a very specific call it the neighborhood and see how that can bring in better results we're touching on sustainability which is a really big thing again we talk about it all the time we don't even have a topic for it anymore because it's just a part of every conversation uh we're going to be touching on materials revolution uh materials to me i feel still ties into sustainability and the conscience behind that but at the same time it's also independent so that's a really big uh thing to look at we're going to be talking about inclusive culture we're going to also touch on cross-border challenges um and um, we're going to definitely touch on unconventional conventions Uh, And last but not least, we're going to also touch on digital recalibration. So if you know what's good for you, tune in, plug in, share with us your thoughts. Um, Before we go in too deep, I would also like to introduce our partner um, and uh, contributor, Edgy Benson, who's also joining us from New York. Edgy, welcome to the show. Hi, Liz. How are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? I am fine. Hanging in there. Mm -hmm. Hanging in there is... Given. Hanging in there is a good thing. Uh, thriving <laughs> is a better thing. Surviving, I don't want to hear. 
<laughs> so <laughs> hang in there and let's thrive, right? <laughs> yes. Who are you wearing and who made your clothes today? Well, today I'm I, I'm self isolating in my studio. <laughs> <Self-isolating>. <laughs> so what am I wearing? I'm wearing some really skinny diesels, a pair of Bali wing tips, and a black t-shirt. Thank you, Edgy. Um, it's nice, but guys. Totally self-isolating. So it's nice, guys. You know, this whole conversation about who are you wearing, who made your clothes, it started like a little joke, like many years ago when we started the Fashion Lab in 2014. And we would ask and people would talk about it because we're just fascinated and also because we're playing in such a visual industry and because this is fashion radio, how do you visualize these things? How do you bring all of this fashion to life just through the audible, you know? So I thought that that was really yes. cool. And then slowly we've seen fashion transform into a way that it has actually become not fun. Well, it's fun still, but it's a very important topic. It's a very uh, crucial conversation to have because it also helps our, us and our conscience. You as a fashion consumer, as you consume fashion, uh, when we care and we ask what you're wearing and who made your clothes, yes, the glam side of it is, yeah, okay, we care. We want to know all the details. But at the same time, it also mm-hmm. brings in that conscience of what is it about who are you wear, who you're wearing, who made your clothes. It gives you deeper insight. It makes you really think deeper and it makes you sort of consume consciously you know so there was a time where people would buy clothes and not really care now you care you know when you think about what happened in bangladesh and the rena whole rena thing and then you think about the evolution from their uh, fashion evolution is it fashion revolution that ca- came up after that rena um situation uh as you help me remember anyway there was a whole movement called the fashion revolution that sprang up after that and everybody started caring a lot about who made their clothes yes. and here we are so who made that who made your clothes is a big thing it's a winner it's, <laughs> it's my highlight for today i think but thank you edgy for joining us we're also going to be joined by a very special guest um shweb francis of white 2k grading from cape town just so that we can have a different mindset as well as we unpack uh, through these conversations but for those of you who are tuned in for the first time this is the fashion lab and uh, we also have a couple of other segments on this show stay tuned to catch up with our wine style guide where we touch base about everything stylish cool and fun because i think fashion and style go hand in hand definitely and a quick reminder my favorite segment at the co- end of the show is called who would you want to dress and why so feel free to share with us your who's and your why's because we care now keep your tweets coming we're on fashion lab af on twitter we're on fashion lab africa on instagram and facebook and we want to hear from you guys we definitely want to hear from you so before we uh continue this conversation and get into deep uh let's roll over to a little music break and then a little fashion alert. Uh-huh. Hello, Fabsters, and welcome to this week's fashion alert. I am Mbali Entley. So this week, since our show is all about the current situation in South Africa, this week's fashion alert is all about Africa. I'm taking you to Zimbabwe and then I'm moving you straight to South Africa. So the founder and CEO of Faber Futures, Natsai Audrey Chiesa, took to the stage on day three of the Design and Daba to talk about the new models for design and technology that are driven by ecological thinking. So you all know that lately we've been talking a lot about sustainability. We've been talking about the contribution of the fashion industry to the environment and pollution. So here is a woman who actually wants to change the game. Textile designing in the fashion industry is one of the biggest causes of pollution. We know this. 
This is something that this bio designer and researcher is tackling head on through her work. And the one thing that she says she has learned through this entire process is don't talk about what you want to do. Do a prototype and then show it to everyone. And this is how a design is born and able to develop. This is exactly what she's done. Blue Sky Thinking with Project Silicola began in 2011 and is an ongoing project that Chiesa is using to integrate the inner workings of a pigment-producing bacteria called Streptomyces. Silicola with a design process to try to find a more sustainable sustainable way of dyeing textiles. So basically, she is trying to find a more sustainable way of dyeing textiles that is less dangerous to the environment, less harmful to the environment. So the bacteria that she uses lives in soil where it helps to decompose organic matter and it also produces an antibiotic called... This is what it's called. It's called... Acinocodin <laughs> or acnocodin, which ranges in the color from blue to pink and purple depending on the acidity of its environment. I'm no environmentalist, guys, so obviously I don't know what these things are called, but that's what they use. It changes color, and basically, this method for dyeing, dyeing textiles rather is not only chemical free, uh, because the bacteria is grown directly into the pigment to generate the pigment it requires, it also requires no fixing agent. It also uses up to, wait for it, 500 times less water than the commonly used dyeing processes. So this is basically what Chies is trying to do. She's trying to save the environment. She's trying to make sure that we're using 500 times less water using chemical free to achieve the same um, end results so obviously we have to just applaud that explaining the benefits of dying of this dying process rather chiesa explains and describes the effects that it has overall she firstly says it reduces water with 500 times less water than the typical industry standards with the minimal runoff it eliminates chemical inputs as the dye is non-toxic it's natural and it doesn't use any finishing chemicals and it's innovative with a novel process offering self-replicating systems for high yield pigment development. So I don't know, what do you guys think? I think it's a great idea. I think she's onto something. It's taken her many, many years to achieve, but she's ultimately she's doing it and she's done it. A woman from Zimbabwe changing the game. What do you guys think before I wrap this story up? So Chiesa went on to build a body of tools and recipes to design textiles with and she spent four to five years developing protocols and recipes to develop these pigments. Once the designs were replicable, she designed her first garment. And guys, I'm going to post this garment on our social media. I'm going to post it on our Instagram story. I'm going to post it on Twitter just so you can see what she actually achieved. It's quite good. It's quite beautiful and it is good for the environment. Like I said, the next story is in South Africa. So I told you I'm taking you to South Africa again. So Tebe Makaku has paid homage to South Africa at Paris Fashion Week. So Tebe Makaku is a South African designer and he is making waves on the international stage. So this contemporary designer has caused a fashion frenzy, darling, a fashion frenzy on the streets of France during his Paris Fashion Week presentation, which recently took place at the Palace de Tokyo. <laughs> The City of Lights hosted the world's renowned designers to present their Autumn Winter 2020-21 collection. 
But Tebe Magaku is the one who made a collection that stood out the most on all the presentations category. So his collection, which was called Anthro One, paid homage to South Africa as it reminisces the life he lived while growing up in the small township called Ipoping in Kimberley. What Tebe Magaku did is he created a project using both art and fashion. And Anthro was well received by the people, including, wait for it, South African President Cyril Ramaphosa, who gave Tebe Magaku a nod for his hard, hard work. The level of consciousness he brings in the artistry is very inspiring and it distinguishes him from other contemporaries. I will show you what he puts together and it really is, it's beautiful. It really takes you down to the streets of Kimberley. You feel like you're in the township. He didn't only just make garments and clothes that looked like they're from the but he also made the presentation and the artwork match the whole show so that's all from me but i will also put this on our social media so do check it out on twitter and on um, instagram on our story you'll see how terry used art and fashion and combined the two from myself that's all for this week's fashion alert i'll catch you next week Yep, that is Mbali. It's always very different when the fashion alert comes to us live and direct with Mbali in the house. And then it's also different when it actually comes like that. But that just means she's here just partially. Thank you for that fashion alert. Edgy, how are you feeling? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I miss Mbali though. Yeah, I know, right? You didn't even know until I said it. But Edgy, come with your tricks. <laughs> tricks of a kid. But for those who are tuned in, this is the Fashion Lab. This is why we hold it down. Uh, dissecting the business behind fashion in Africa and beyond. And we care about your insights. I hope that you are tuned in and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Share with us your thoughts. We are on MassiveMetro.com for those who are looking at me right now on the live. Thank you for tuning in. And yes, keep it locked. Now we are talking about um, this conversation and we just basically want to unpack um, a bit about what's really been going on. Um, the forecasts that we've had. Um, I, I know that this McKinsey forecast um, on the 2020 fashion report came in before the coronavirus. So it also has a few different sort of variables that are sort of uh, shifted a bit. But the truth of the matter is it still gives us um, really key points to really dissect, to really get into and to really open up as, it, as we continue with our uh, um, fashion journey. Um, the MGFI forecasts that growth will slow to 3.4% in 2020, slightly below the predicted rate for 2019. Struggling, strikingly, only 9% of respondents think that conditions will actually improve next year. And this is compared to the 49% who said the same for 2018. So, Edgy, um, this is me and you today, and we're going to go through this. And these are th 10 key points. And I would love us to just start by the fashion alert. Not the fashion alert on fashion lab that Bali brings, but a high fashion alert which sort of helps us unpack why we should be on the edge and what we're actually doing and what it means. Um, Edgy, do you want to start by just sharing your insights? Because I know that you, you know, you're, you're always the, what you call it, we say that you're the, you're the most positive in the space and the most, um, let's see, um, what's the word I can use? Positive is not the word. Um, um, <sighs> I'll come back. The, well, word, the word is lost. Well, but I'm not a pessimist. Positive. But let's you, you listen, positive. you're an optimist, but you're. Yes, I think let's go with that. So we are in a space where, and like I said this, and this is something I also said to Edgy the other day when we were talking on the phone, and I said, Edgy, 
I feel for the first time that I'm really in a space where my head is always quick. I think quick. I move quick. But this is the first time for my fashion industry um, angle. As you guys would know, I wear different hats. But for the fashion industry angle and my presence in it and my play in it, I'm, I'm scared for the first time ever. I don't know. I almost don't know which direction to go. And this is a very, very... Uh, sensitive but very crucial time for strategic thinking for any players in the fashion industry um you know anything could dis disrupt anything already you've got emerging uh, market economics or economies and indicators of already on that sort of recession risk factor but i, I don't want to focus on the negative but we have to think whatever step you're about to make right now it needs to be a really really well thought through step edgy what's your take on why and where we should be in this industry today right now i mean for, i mean the reality is that this this thing is this vast thing has been a real um it's got it's it has some it has had some real impact and continuous impact uh, i mean especially i used to think that the high normally like the high end um the high end of fashion you know the luxury part of it is sometimes impervious you know it's sometimes like it doesn't get hit by a lot of things you know when recessions come rich people still have money you know so they still spend money on luxury but this time even though it, it's so life-threatening it's not about money it's just you can't travel uh, or you have reservations about going places and so you know it's for the first time, we see, well, not for the first time, but we do see um, uh, a, like a considerable impact on, on luxury spending, you know? And so you can see the impact there. You can see that it's widespread. And then on the lower end, you know, just supply chains are so disrupted that you can't even, you know, you can't, you can't help but see that it's, it's it's impacting everybody so for the first time it's like from top to bottom fashion is being impacted even today i was talking to um a partner a friend of mine that we're collaborating on something and we don't know what to do because what when do you announce that you're going to launch a product when you're not so sure when you're going to get it you know true um, true yeah so it's just little things like this so it's it's been the impact has been quite reasonable but for me again look we we are in this world we've we've lived through so many so many things that have not been great um i'm sure we'll live through this so we'll, we'll get by it but at the moment it is it is crunchy so but edgy my thing also is it's great to know that it's crunchy it's great to know that it's raining but what do you do when you go outside when you know when you know it's raining it's it's one thing to know it's raining it's another one to act a certain way uh in response to the rain and i think that this show we are having today is to we're not the experts who will tell you what to do how to run in the rain but the truth is we have to think about it so even just stirring up that momentum and that sort of Starting up that that flow, that vibe to make you sit down and say, actually, you're right. What's the next step? We don't want to dwell on what's happening. What's happening is already happening. The current situation, the climate of this industry, it's already happening. It's about how we respond to it. How are we responding to it? And I think that there is hope. It's great to talk about hope. 
But I'm telling you, the hardest part of it, which is the most crucial part of it, is what are you going to do differently right now? But you know what's you know what's difficult right now in terms of what you're going to do. So before we know that it's China is the epicenter, it's really tough there. Like you you prepare that okay, you're not going to get something out of China, right? You're gonna you're gonna wait it out, or you're gonna try to look elsewhere. And then wait it out, but wait it out without knowing waiting out. Waiting out China no, without knowing well, how long you're waiting well, is well. That's just like an initial thing, an initial thought you have, right? Then you think, okay, maybe I can look elsewhere. I can, I can make shoes somewhere. I can make this else, and then the disease starts. Then the infect, the virus is spreading across. You know, so you're thinking, also, so which is safe now? Where do you go that it's not going to be impacted by this fear, by this? ever-growing thing you know so that's like yes we know what the situation is we definitely want to do something but what are you going to do and where are you going to do it you know i think that's like the real conundrum mm, i i agree with well, you i agree with you, Edu. you know? I, I think um quote-unquote from this mckenzie report which is the state of fashion 2020 is to thrive in this environment companies must think strategically sharpen their decision making keep their fingers on the pulse of customer demand you obviously need to get digital rights to address consumers increasingly concerns by the climate change agenda at the same time they must cater to, to, to local tastes across multiple markets and cultures one size will not fit all unfortunately not for this time not for this situation for those who are tuned in we care about your thoughts we care about your insights as well please uh reach out to us we're on fashion lab af on twitter we're on fashion lab africa on facebook and instagram we're talking about the current situ uh in reference to the state um of fashion report by mckinsey and we're just touching on key steps that will really either make or break uh this time around for us who are playing in this industry so share with us your thoughts if you're on um whatsapp as well i'm gonna drop a whatsapp number on there as well you're welcome to send your voice notes you're welcome to send your insights and we can share them through the show but this is one really key important thing i want to roll over to the next uh, sort of point which i think is also a really big point and this is just being able to be in a position to look beyond china now we have to also remember that this mckinsey report was put out before the coronavirus nobody suspected or, or sort of foresaw what was coming and so the coronavirus obviously brings in a bigger part of this conversation around china but again truly you we cannot all focus our production on china we have to look beyond china and i think that egypt for you who also produces and plays in china it's a great conversation to have starting from you and we'll follow it up but what are your thoughts on this because this is definitely a key um element of what we think about when we think about the crucial themes for the fashion industry in 2020 what do you think and how do you think we should be approaching this as, as industry uh stakeholders maybe more from a production uh perspective for me i, I feel like i i'm hoping that because of this virus we'll wake up a more diversified um uh, a more diversified uh industry in terms of production because you have to understand like we concentrate all our efforts all our production focus on china right edgy and i have a question so also edgy and why as much as you're breaking it down why do we focus all our energy on china when we've got so many other high growth sort of geographical landscapes that can be able to do the same or even do better what is it about china no we think we do but we actually don't 
because at the end of the day, it's about capacity. China can't give you capacity. Africa has a lot of population. India has a lot of population. But those populations don't have capacity because capacity is an ability to deliver the product and the right quality at the right time. That's capacity. China has that. They have trained skills in the areas that fashion needs, you know. A lot of economies, they don't even spend time on those. They don't have vocational training for these kinds of things. And these jobs are not attractive to people. In the U.S., you can't even find someone who sews, you know. So, so and, and how do we, one of the things, sorry, I know, Edgy, you're not like the, you're not the King Kong. <laughs> but <laughs> the cultivating of this, everything that you say is actually, you're right. We may not have the capacity, but how do we cultivate the capacity to put us in a position... What, to stop looking at one geographic i mean look at the whole world this world is too yes big. yes including that's africa I'm I'm, <laughs> that's what i'm saying like i think that the good thing that's going to come out of this virus is that other countries other economies other governments are going to take this seriously like it's a risk for us to just focus on one place for everything other countries have to wake up and stop being lazy we have to we have to spread it out um there's a lot of capacity out of Africa, uh, populations out of Africa, a lot of populations out of India. We have to turn these populations into active capacity, you know, meaning governments, social, I mean, individuals, private sector, they have to be invested in, in, this, in these skills that we need to develop. Dedicated manufacturing, dedicated um, textiles industries and stuff like that. Then the fashion industry will be able to at least redeem itself. China needs help too. Look, I have friends who produce in China right now who are Chinese who are looking outside too. So it's not like China is sitting there saying, I don't need help. Of course, if we could if we could all go somewhere else and produce things, we could feed each we could feed off each other. You know, the Chinese are ready to produce somewhere else too. But we don't have anything to offer them. Now that when we need anything they can do for us and when they need it. We got nothing to offer. So that's the thing. I just hope that the, this virus, as bad as it is, wakes up everybody else to see like, how we can all help each other. We have to grow food everywhere. And then why are we just, I mean, we grow food everywhere, right? But for production, we go only to China. Why do we do that? You know, why can't everybody want to produce something? Don't, but, I don't I mean, know. I don't know if it's the ones to produce. I don't know if it's the why does everyone want to produce? What I think it's not about. It's not a want. I think it's capacity, but I think it's beyond what we want. So if I want, remember capacity, we have to develop it. Yes, so the want yes. is the need to develop. The want is that. What I mean, want is the desire to de to develop capacity. But when desire to develop desire. capacity without financial backup is a, who's going? How does that make it's, it? It doesn't make sense, Edgy. Desire no, to develop capacity is one. The money boys and the money girls. Where are you, money boys and money girls in Africa? Where are you? Let's talk about Africa. <laughs> no, where are you, day for for this money? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's seriously, it takes these kinds of these kinds of things when they happen. They are catalysts to other things that can be good. So we've seen it. So let's see how this coronavirus catalyzes what Africa does in terms of production in terms of developing our industry and maturing it you know uh, because right now it's 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 crazy it's really difficult to look for that to to take that as an option i i like yeah. i like what you say let's look and see um what's going to be born out of this uh, you know in every 
catastrophe. Um, there's good that's born out of it and there's bad. And we pray that the good outweighs the bad. Um, but so, sort of also maybe puts them in a better position, you know, and empowers us. We have to be empowered to be empowered and then to empower. But thank you, Edgy. I think, I think we should roll over to the next um, topic, guys. We are talking about crucial themes for this fashion industry in 2020. Um, coronavirus also sort of slapped us. I don't think that in generally <laughs> this was going to be the topic because <laughs> we like to have fun on the show and we like to bring real cool conversations, but we also like to bring it re real and hard. But we've, we've had really hard conversations for the last... It's just hard, back to back. They, we are not talking about the dress. We are not talking about... There's no exclusive right now. Yes, we want to hear about what the brands are doing and stuff, but I think that there's more important issues right now. So... I think for me, what I want to do is I want to roll over. We've been speaking about some of these crucial elements that affect or that are touching fashion in 2020. We've spoken about high alert and just being on the edge, but also trying to figure out how to respond to that edge. Being on the edge without knowing how to respond or finding the right mechanisms to respond is, doesn't help. Then we've spoken about beyond China and just being able to look beyond China because surely we've also, and we agree that, you know, there's a lot of other high growth geographies but at the same time, Edgy has also challenged it based on capacity. It's great to know that there's all of these other spaces, but how do we create that capacity? Now we've spoken, I want us to roll over to the next generation um, social because we are on the socials, we are on the digitals, but at the same time, to maximize return on marketing spend, fashion players obviously need to be in a specific space where they can hone that social media uh, strategy and i think that every day is a new day with more innovation and everything is going this way not this way so what do you think edgy or what is your two cents when it comes to the next gen socials and how this can actually play and how we could probably how it could influence which direction we are going I, I think it's so difficult to 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 pinpoint how that's where that's going just because as technology grows we are adapting our social media we're adapting um our social trajectories to technology so i mean right now you know there's so much growth in retail technology to to make sure that we can sell online and that is and you know and there's an imbalance in in this in that space in that in developed economies it's so easy you can click and, and buy while in developing economies we're still struggling to adapt that so there's so this unequal balance in terms of commerce and online the digitals are generating the highest commercial flow right but certain economies are not able to, to benefit from this flow because of deficiencies on the ground there's no you know there's not an established uh, delivery chains for online there are no payment systems so as much as the technology is helping the west and developed economies it's it's not it's not really going down it's these benefits are not they're not migrating downwards they're just staying up you know so that's an area where i feel like we need growth and you know we need infrastructure growth that enables or that helps online and digital um, commerce in africa especially you know um that's, so that's for me that's where the challenge is how can we catch up how can we also enjoy the benefits that digital uh, commerce has brought onto the world 
I know right now we're struggling with all of these things, but for all of these years, the world, I mean, Amazon is making so much money. You hear all of these billionaires and millionaires being created by uh, online commerce, and that doesn't translate in, in, the, in, in Africa and in, in other developing economies. So we do need to fix that. We do need local players to come in in terms of delivery companies, gateway mechanisms for payment, those kinds of things. I have to say, who's going to fix, who do you think is going to fix, gosh, there's so much fixing to do in this continent. Who's going to fix that one? Because, no, and, but, and the reason okay. I say this, hold on, Edgy, I'm just saying this because we, if we're still trying to catch up, first of all, there is no doubt that the technology, technology in itself is impacting everything, including obviously the fashion industry, including em employment. Now, according to a, a recent um, fashion retail sort of um, academy report, they speak about by 2020, the UK will actually generate 60,000 new analytical, digital, technical, merchandising and supply chain management roles for the UK fashion industry. Now, while these jobs are high in demand, 57% of the UK retailers say there's major skill gaps, making it problematic to fill these positions. We are looking at the whole, um, you know, the incline of technology and how it's, I mean, 60,000 new positions or roles in the industry. When we are talking right now, Edgy Africa is still trying to keep up with what's here now. We, you know, how... How does this play and how does this look and what are we even talking about? How is this? No, but yeah, okay. I'll give you an example, right? So there's this app called Cheaper, which allows Africans to pay for things within Africa, right? That's just one app, right? If you have those, that's, a, that's a payment gateway right there. So we, need, we just need a few more of those things. And each, with every one of them that comes on, with every one of them that comes on stream, that's one solution that yeah, has been, but I, has I, been offered. Edgy, I don't think it's know? the gate. I don't think it's the pay, payment gateway is not. That used to be a big challenge before. That we are we are doing we are doing way better now. That's not to me. That's not. So the, for me, the challenges are. We should be at a space where we've got a really highly competitive market when it comes to, for example, just developing specific apps that cater for how we can push fashion from the brand or from the other end to the consumer those are the things that i'm saying where are these we have the technology we have obviously besides south africa with the data must fall <laughs> we have different problems in the continent but the internet data not a big deal anymore there's certain things that have been actually managed really well so we're not in such a bad space i'm just saying while everything is evolving from a tech perspective we don't even we we i don't know where our, our focus there's because, a big gap because it is because it is all tech right now to be honest with you it is all powered by tech tech is powering commerce tech is look with more gate i know the gateway systems are there but they're not there really because if they're enough if there's enough commerce then there's enough companies that come in and set up for deliveries and stuff e edgy, like that believe so me, edgy believe me the gateway systems we are we're, we're not bad we're not doing bad at no, all. No, no, I'm not saying... For I'm where, saying for where no, we are coming from... So, and, and I don't think that that's... For me, what I'm trying to say to you, Edge, is there are other newer, bigger problems. So for me, I'm looking at 
gateway as something we've so, so, some almost surpassed. It's okay. We've got. We are getting there. We've got there. But I feel like when I look at logistics, logistics is such a big, big problem here. Still a big problem. That's what, that's we're talking about the same thing. See, see the thing is this: when get when these gateways make payments possible, make payments easier, right? They it makes it increases volume of online volume of digital trade digital commerce and that volume attracts logistics companies you know it's all like a chain you know once one thing grows and the chain grows with it that attracts other things that come all the ancillary services will come with it you know so that's why like everything is the digital thing it's this digital communities they just they have their triggers one thing grows the other comes in the other comes in the other comes in and and that's that's how we grow the volumes because we're not benefiting from the amount of digital trading out there it's huge we're not we're not creating the right we're not creating the wealth that the rest of the world is seeing from digital from digital um, commerce you know so that's I'm I'm saying yes we have the gateways. I agree with you totally. But I'm saying we don't have enough because they have not proven to be attractive enough to the logistics companies. Guys, you this know? is uh, Fashion Lab uh, coming to you live and direct. We are talking about some of these elements that influence the fashion industry in 2020 right now. And we've been talking about, um, we spoke about just being on the higher alert. We spoke about producing beyond China or playing beyond China. We're now speaking about next gen social um edges coming to me very hard and i'm like listen i surrender <laughs> and i'm just like no i surrender but i'm just saying it's not we don't have the answers to every issue or every no, problem i agree but we do have the ability to be able to acquire information understand what's happening i think being able to understand what's really happening on the ground is the beginning of advancing ourselves if you don't know what's happening on the ground and this industry, I don't know how you're going to advance yourself. But anyway, guys, we are talking this. We're going to take a quick music break. It's getting hot in here and it's getting hard. And I'm about to, you know, shake my little things a bit, you know, stretch a bit. Edgy, you're welcome to do it from the other side as well. But guys, this is Fashion Lab and we'll be right back after this music break. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Fashion Lab radio show. This is Liz Ogumbo Regisford, your host, and thank you for tuning in once again, guys. Now, we are joined um, by Edgy Benson, who's our contributor and partner. He's been bringing in his insights, and I've been splashing them back and forth. We're also joined by a very special guest um, by the name of Shuweib Francis. He's uh, plugging in from Cape Town. He is uh, the... A mind or the the let's say the the, the genius <laughs> behind y2k grading which is a grading um company here in south africa called y2k and uh he's obviously been doing this since 1999 Let, later changed to the company name to online grading he's been involved in creating ranges of capsules for different designers and also mentoring young and upcoming designers he's worked with overseas companies developing and styling designs and mailing patterns and makers worldwide um, so we're going to be joined by him right now and uh, he's going to share with us his insights as we continue to share these insights um, on this topic. Shweb, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Well, hello. It's, um, thanks for letting me in on the show. It's uh, summer's day out here in Cape Town and um, I'm right here to discuss what's happening in the fashion industry. 
Yeah, thank you very much for joining us, um, Shuaib. It's uh, uh, it's good to have you on. For those of you who are tuned in, I also have to say Shuaib also developed my patterns um, as well uh, a couple of years ago. Gosh, Shuaib, actually we say, can I say a couple of years ago? My gosh, time's flying. Was it from 2010, 20, 2011, I think? <laughs> 20 yes, yes, it's been a, it's been it's a been while. A long it's been a while. Yes, it's been a long, long time coming, but I started working with them on my patterns in 2011, I think. And I, even when I moved, I, li I lived in Cape Town for a bit, moved to Joburg, and I still shipped my stuff back and forth because I was like, listen, I'm not even having it here in Joburg. I'm going to send my stuff back and forth um, to who I would consider the best. So thank you for what you're doing. It definitely makes a difference in the industry. And... Um, for those who are tuned in, uh, you know we've been talking, and this is also for just Shuei, but also just to give you a heads up, we've just been talking about um, certain elements or certain themes that I believe, uh, uh, and based on the latest McKinsey fashion report, uh, that we believe are crucial for the fashion industry in 2020. We've touched a bit on just the high alert, um, you know, and just being on the edge and what we're doing about that. We've also touched about production beyond China. Uh, based on the different or other options of high growth geographies and we've also touched on the next gen uh, socials uh, we are joined also by edgy edgy is very quiet in the house but edgy uh, <laughs> i'm sure you remember shueb shueb has actually been on the show i think two years or three years ago we had him on as well just yes. talking about what he does so guys i think we need to just roll over quickly to the next conversation here uh, which i think another point which i think is really crucial and it is uh, around keeping it locked in the neighborhood now convenience and immediacy are definitely key and i think that companies um, and different institutions must sort of reduce uh, friction in the customer journey via in-store experience and localized assortments um edgy i think based on what we've been talking about who we've had on the show i would say melanie the, the melody the, the matilda mira is one of those as well mm -hmm. so i think that mm -hmm. and i also believe that keeping it locked um within specific regions because i feel like yes it's great to go and travel far and wide and be able to push ourselves as far as we can but there's also value in keeping it locked uh and focusing on a specific area or a specific niche market do you want to maybe could you start uh you sort of sort of set us on edgy with your insights around this and as i move on to shuaib um just around what you think when it comes to keeping it locked in the neighborhood you mean i mean in terms of the digital part no not digital just everything everything about fashion so thinking about uh, how yeah. we, so when it looks you know for example for me like for example let's talk about my wine or let's talk about something now i moved yeah. to brazil i spend a lot of time in brazil because i feel like that's a 211 million dollar million people market that i want to tap into who care about what i'm doing I look at the US, I also move there, I spend time there, and I do that because I am a globalized child who believes and appreciates and embraces globalization. And I, you know, globalization is not just about how I will extend myself as an individual, but how I also get to extend my brands and my stories. So in this particular scenario, I'm talking about brands and how we focus on sometimes i know we want to do things as wide uh, as we can and as far away as we can as well to tap into other markets which is a great thing but there's also the other aspect of it of really keeping it locked within a certain space and really focusing on that space and like i said the reason i get brought matilda as an example is because of the fact that they focus in on different you know so you, you have times where they run a campaign just within a certain suburb that will attract a certain person mm. and it is a small mm. it looks small but it's 
that's where fashion has gone to it's not small but it looks small because you almost have to focus within a specific type of space what are your thoughts on that I think I think we've been dealing with this subject for a while. Actually, it's we dealt with it when we talked about nativism. We dealt with it when we. I think it's you. We definitely have to look within, um, especially for us in Africa, uh, because with with if we don't look within, then we're not encouraging the 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 areas that need to grow. You know, like in terms of fabrics. If we're looking for fabrics locally, we're going to we're going to. We're going to create that demand. We're going to create that desire for someone to to get better at producing fabrics for us. You know, like what Africa Bell and the rest are doing. And if we're looking for local manufacturing and we challenge it to get better, it will get better. It just takes patience on our on our side to look. Um, and now with all of these supply chain disruptions, yeah, it's it's going to be super important for us to to grow something within that we can actually lend to someone else who, who wants to use it, you know? Um, it goes back to what we were saying at the opening of the show. Like, if we were strong, then with China having some issues now, we can make some things in Africa. The Chinese too could make some things in Africa. But we're growing locally to to help globally, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's very good points. Um, very good points you raise. Shuaib, what are your thoughts when it comes to just getting uh, more focus on certain, like, you know, when we talk about, um, when, when I talk about keeping it locked in the neighborhood, it's about being able to focus your mind on a very specific space. And I think that you do that with your business because as much as, yes, you have um, an international reach, you've got uh, Joburg and other parts of the continent, perhaps, and then you also have Cape Town, you have understood how to also really localize your um um, your business into a sense that it caters for a very specific market. It's not really about the quantity, but about uh, locking it in within a suburb or within a region, and you know that this is your region, and you really focus on it, and you actually benefit out of that from a business perspective. What are your thoughts around where we are going with this climate of fashion, and is it something that you encourage? Is it something that you see as a sticking thing? What do you think? The thing is, um, if we can up our production and our quality and our turnaround time, it will definitely make a, uh, it, will, it will have an impact on all the imported goods that we're having manufactured overseas. You understand? Uh, we just need to up our game, and that's the problem we that we actually have with our local um, workforce. Uh, we can't we can't counter the Chinese. They run 24 hours. They're cheaper. Uh, if they don't find a, a cure for the coronavirus, I'm sure we're already picking up a lot of business. Not that we want the coronavirus, but uh, it just shows that we have to uh, up our game, you know? Hmm. Totally. Exactly. We have to up our game. I mean, if you look at our employment rate and we look at our, our factories, why can't we put on night shifts? I mean, employ all those people that... Um, that's, so that's unemployed for, for, for instance. You know, using the same machines, the same space. By five o'clock, our factories are standing still for the next day. Five o'clock so sometimes five o'clock sometimes is Christmas. Let's 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 call it what it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. Sometimes it's three o'clock. <laughs> let's just yeah, call it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, but it's something we laugh about after twelve in Cape Town on a Friday. <laughs> We don't get anything done. <laughs> I, <laughs> we don't. 
That's a Cape Town culture, but we need to 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 seriously. Uh, uh, our workforce needs to change. Our mindset needs to change. You know, if you want to count uh, the Far East for, for for that matter, I mean, those people really work. Our people are on a slow go. They on the I don't know what it is, but it's a mindset. It's a culture. I can tell you that much. Wow. Our our people we don't like working. I don't know for some reason. You know? <laughs> For I some mean, if you look at a country like um, if you look at a country like Korea, to change itself in a couple of years, why can't Africa do it? We can do it. We've got the talent to do it. I've seen it. It's just our mindset needs to change. It's as simple as that. And like you say, keep it in the neighbourhood. What we're doing in Cape Town is we're keeping our pattern makers, our cutters, our factories within a certain radius. Where the designers don't turn into glorified drivers, you know, having to drive a couple of kilometers to get something done. That's mm. what we do with online grading. We had everything under one roof. True. It very, was a very, shop. very good. You know? Very good. Very good. Very. You know, I have to say, Shweb, when you say that, we the reason that I moved to Joburg and then have to still come to Cape Town for production is because of the fact that in Joburg you find a pattern maker then you look for a grading person then you look for a pattern uh, sample maker then you i promise you the five things that you can do under that i could do under your roof in joburg i do in five different places and the wait times are also different so you you've got more delays and then the turnover time as well i mean they'll say wednesday next week it could be next month also you know so it's just so so how how can you how do you how do you thrive in this industry and i don't want to focus on the i don't want to complain the reason that i would fly rather fly to captain was because i need to keep my things moving so i in my head i'm still big on solutions not the problems if something's not working what are my other options um but i agree with you that we need to change our mindsets i think that a lot of change in this continent based on what we discussed earlier with edgy when we're talking about geographic um you know geograph high growth geographies which are not necessarily maximizing on that when it comes to capacity because edgy actually brought big points saying you know with all of these different geographies why do we always have the focus on china because of the fact that they can handle capacity in the rest of the uh, the rest of the world i mean there is space but there is no capacity so i think that there's a lot of conversations that have to happen but i also believe that in africa i call it story time or storytelling in africa is that's what we do really well we're very good storytellers but it's enough time now it's you know it's now time to do not talk we've told enough stories and told enough tales um so guys i want us to move over for those who are tuned in i, I care about your insights we are on fashion lab africa on uh, facebook and instagram and we're on fashion lab af on twitter and we want to hear from you and want to also hear your thoughts when it comes to this particular point around keeping it locked in the neighborhood um but i want us to move to another very important step as we are talking about some of these themes that are crucial uh for fashion industry in 2020 based on the latest mckinsey report um um, and I'm um, using this as a guide uh, because we need a guide to be able to talk about these things that we, we, otherwise we miss certain points. Sustainability is another key point. And we obviously know again, you know, we need to definitely swap pl platitudes, you know, and promotional noise for action on sustainability. Sustainability is something we don't even, yes, we would create shows for sustainability. But this year I've realized 
there's certain key elements like sustainability um, that just come through our conversations because they're just a part of fashion. You cannot talk fashion without talking sustainability. And um, I think that for me, the biggest thing is to be able to be conscious enough and continue with this as well for us to be able to be the change like we say and we know that we are the second most polluting um, industry in the world right after maritime and i think that if we don't change our way of thinking and try to change our way of practicing then i, I don't know how we're gonna i don't know how we're gonna thrive any two cents i'd like to start with you edgy you want to share your two cents on sustainability and i know we do all the time but you know I think I think at this time we have to define sustainability in the way that we want it in Africa. It, you, know? you mean redef- redefine, redefine? Not redefine. Actually, define it. I, I just feel like in this in this big big world of everybody saying using sustainability to sell something, um, people don't define because not everything. So sustainability has all these these um, parameters, right? And sometimes. People just think it's one thing and then they just say they're sustainable. I think we have to define where, what, us, what sustainability means to us, you know? Um, and it may mean different things to different people. So for me, I think, um, what's a sustainable product? Okay. It's not, chi- it's not a child level product, right? Uh, no one was abused producing it. Um, you know, they dies are not harmful i mean there's so many other parameters you know so i think for africa there are some parameters that are more more achievable more attainable than others you know and some of them can be driven by policy i think we have to really figure out what elements of sustainability we want to push and push them you know um i think that's for me because I feel like sustainability has become this umbrella where people just run and hide, you know, and say, yeah, we're sustainably produced. But what element of sustainability <laughs> okay. did you actually use? Um, I want use, to say something you know? quickly just for our listeners who are tuned in. I'm going to give this to you according to Wiki quickly, because, you know, you're right that there's words that become trend words in fashion, unfortunately. And what happens is. It's like uh, everybody going green. Those green was such a big word at some point, and people, some people didn't even know what green was. There was another time that um, being um, right now, I know being um, vegan is a bit of becoming a trend. <laughs> Sorry for the vegans, <laughs> like for the real <laughs> vegans out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To you, for the trendy vegans, yeah, yeah. But geez, okay, so it's about also really understanding because people get lost in trends and they don't even know what they're doing. And sometimes we have to remind even the ones who are in it what it actually is. According to Wiki, sustainable fashion is a movement and process of fostering change to fashion products and the fashion system towards greater ecological integrity and social justice. So sustainable fashion concerns more than addressing fashion textiles or products and for the rest for you guys is for you to find out i like when edgy try to break it down to think about maybe the easiest way to think about it is to start like thinking and doing like a tick a checklist and you say um on demand or custom made you do a checklist (coughs) you look at it green and clean and also like please don't make us redefine green and clean guys just please think about it think about it get your checklist high quality timeless design fair ethical when you think about child labor when you think about all of that. Then you think about repair, redesign, upcycle. That still plays a role. Rent, lease, swap, 
is still a roll. Second hand, vintage, that's still a roll. There's so many different um, elements that even I am, I'm, as we are talking here, I'm op- you know, this has opened my mind a bit to actually sit down maybe tomorrow and get some time and say, uh, as a person who would want to position themselves as a sustainable brand, Weighs my checklist and how many of those do I tick? Another thing that I find really unfair, you know, like in the Bible, if you're a Christian, you would know that, like, you know how they say sin is sin, and sometimes it sounds so unfair to me because I'm thinking, God, God, you're gonna just put me in the same basket or the same corner as the guy who killed ten people and shot freaking hundred people, whereas I just like I just lied to someone about something, you know. But <laughs> here comes the hard stepping truth, guys. It is all about sitting down and being honest with yourself as well so that when you categorize yourself in that specific um, sort of space, then you know what it is. There was a time that another word that was really abused and I'm happy that, well, do I hear it or do I ignore it these days? Maybe I hear it and I just let it slide. But there was a time where everyone was like, oh yeah, I'm a designer. What's your aesthetic? Oh, I'm couture. I'm like, what? Haute couture. I'm like, guys, are you kidding me? Someone please go Google the freaking word and understand what haute couture is. <laughs> so I think that the, one of the things we have to do if we want to be a cool fashion value chain being cool is being able to know knowledge is power so know what know what you think is cool first and then by the time you slap it onto your little profile at least it makes sense anyway i'm rolling it back to edgy (laughs) and she waved she (laughs) waved let me roll this back to you because sustainability is here i personally think you can uh you have your day job and do stand-up comedy. You're good at it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you could be, maybe you could be the uh, most ever Noah. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I'm flattered. Thank you. I'm flattered. Coming, coming back to coming back to sustainability. Are you talking about clothes that can be reused? Because remember, they are dumping like. Tons of clothing, cheap clothing every year. You know that that is still a part. Yeah, I think Shweb, sustainability is so big, and that's why I said the checklist is so long. And it's not, you know, what's like I said, what's unfortunate is if you do one thing out of a hundred things that should sort of position you or, or describe you sustainable you still slap the name on it whether it's a hundred of them you're doing or ten or five or one recycling in itself of course is a sustainable practice I think but that's not enough if what if you're recycling but you've got child labor and you're you know like there's just so many this thing is complicado like they say in I Portuguese. Think n- new sustainability is all revolving around the human being around the human around the humanity of practice are you supporting your environment are you supporting all, everything as it retains, as it pertains to human quality of life, you know, is the level for yeah, thing. Yeah, but may I, may I say something here? We don't have to work for a bowl of rice. It sounds like a joke. But there are millions <laughs> of people that has to work for just a meal. You understand true. what I'm saying? Yes. So, I mean, you don't really expose, we know about it. We don't, we're not that exposed to it unless we go out into these areas. And how do you counter those millions of people who's prepared to work for that bowl of rice? How do you do that? I mean, do we close down factories? I mean, we've got we've got what's happening in Durban. Durban is taking away a lot of manufacturing from Cape Town because they're very cheap. They're extremely cheap. But their quality is up to shit. You know, we know that. I mean, we're getting a lot of the Durban designers who's cheaper coming down to Cape Town to have this stuff down here. I mean, uh, because we give them a much more quality product. 
although it's a bit more expensive. So, uh, yes. it doesn't always, uh, isn't always better, do you understand? But yeah. who can afford that type of clothing? Let's, let's put it to you in that, that there's a certain bracket that's suffering here right now, and I had a conversation with Liz in the week. It's a middle of the, 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 the fashion industry, or we, we could even say the middle class is taking a beating. They're even buying cheaper clothing now. They're buying food and cheaper clothing. Yeah, it is It is a pity. Um, it is a pity where things are, but I think it's also, for me, one of the, one of the things that bother me the most in this continent is the lack of a desire to understand and to be informed. I find, I don't know, Shuwaib, I don't know if you agree with me, but I just find that in the continent there's this laissez-faire sort of attitude about knowing. So I could be a person who says, I run my business in the corner, but I run a business where I'm not listening to, I'm not finding time to, making time to understand what's happening whether it is from the most basic of just for example being in fashion and understanding trends but forget about trends let's go even deeper why are people not spending enough time especially in africa acquiring information no. acquiring knowledge doing some research so that you can know please do not go and rent space in that freaking mall because if you rent space in the mall the place has got like a hundred shops to let and you just went there and set yourself up. Wh whose problem is that? That now you're b bankrupt. So there is a lack of desire to acquire information and knowledge, yeah, and yeah, that is going to kill us. It's more, uh, it's more about the openness and collaboration. I like Richard Branson using that word, collaboration. Our problem is when we found this niche market. I mean, you come into my studio, you walk through my studio, nobody stops you. You've seen it before. We've got nothing to hide. We're here to help everybody collaborate and just connect the dots. Our problem is collaboration. We're not, we're not uh, prepared to collaborate because I want the whole pie. I just need a part of the pie. This is yes. really going wrong. We've got designers that face each other. We should be working together. We need a platform. But on the platform, we need people like the David Plaris or the, the, the Cheryl Arthurs of, of, of hip-hop clothing that knows the industry. We need people that's in the know, you know? Not a fly by night who can sell themselves but got no knowledge of the industry. So so we, we every time we have a platform, it collapses. Because we don't have the right people on the platform who wants to do it for the love of the industry. This is a far problem. There's no collaboration. I'm sorry to say that. But it's I, totally yes, true. it's true. I think that we talked about that a lot. I, I think that collaboration, AJ, I'll, I'll let you go. I, I think that collaboration mm. is a big thing here. I don't know why Africa, well, Africa is a is a continent of doing things together. No, I'm talking about when we really want to look at history of different regions. Yes, world. Africa is right. a continent where people people woke up and broke bread together. They slept together yes. in the yes. in the the women slept you know if you look at really traditional african you go back to the history of it we've got so much history of doing things together that words like ubuntu words like there's so much of, yeah, so, so the question becomes where did africa when did africa wake up and decide is me myself and i me me me.com and so collaboration collaboration i agree 
We all know that answer. And we're not going to bring the West into it. But you are right. I mean, the bullies used to raise the <laughs> What did we not want to bring in? Is there something else you want to say? <laughs> or should we roll over to Edgy? <laughs> no, no, what, what, what happened to our, uh, the concept that our forefathers, I mean, they raised us to a certain extent. And all of a sudden, we, we left the villages, we became more modern. And nowadays, you don't even know your neighbor. Let's face it. True. Guilty. That's right. I mean, if this was a car seat, I would know my neighbor. I would go and lend some sugar. I would lend a tea bag. I would welcome them into my house to have supper. <laughs> what happened to that concept? And the thing is, as all across the board, there's no, all the races are to blame for it. You can't say it's a Muslim thing, it's a Christian thing. It's just the way, the way life turned out, and I don't like it. We are not yeah. helping each other, and unless it comes at a cost. So guys, so guys, would we say that 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 is a part of what's wrong with how we are? Because all of these things are a reflection of how we do business. It's all of these things are, are a reflection of how we are in this world. Edgy, what do you want to add on? Because we really need to roll over because we're getting very emotional about this one. But like, no, no, he's. He, he, I mean, Sue has said it, and we, remember, we had a whole show about this lack of collaboration, True. Um, and it's affecting us across the board. The banks are not collaborating with us to help us. We are not collaborating within designers to help each other. So it's just um, uh, manufacturers not collaborating with us to help set up things that we need. Um, it's it's a whole conundrum. But collaboration is the big word, you know. And we've talked about it a lot. We need to find ways to engineer those things. Some of us, we have to be the, the beginners of these things. We have, the good thing is we have this platform and I'm sure we'll find a way to create some collaborations because we need to do this. Guys, can we just say and wrap this point up by saying, I feel like collaborate, when I was speaking about um, information, desire for information so that you know how to advance yourself, how to position yourself, how it's not there but then collaboration is also a big thing and i think that that ties in to this as well because it's the the lack of collaboration or desire for collaboration is the same i think the same it comes from the same space as the lack of desire for information and for knowledge because then it means you're living in a little island where you feel like you've got it you've arrived and you know it and that's it and deuces and to hell with everyone else guys you need everyone everyone we need you i need you you need me edgy i need you you need me Shweb. we all need each other and i think that uh there's certain things that we have to really introspect on slowly and actually think about how we're going to move ourselves forward guys yeah that's a really matter of the heart but these things are attached to business and how we play and how we trade i want to roll off and move on quickly because these guys are going to now stick on this one for too long but we're about to um we have a, a little time left and we have a bit more to touch on. I want to talk about or just touch lightly on the materials revolution. Um, Shuaib is here joining us from Y2K Grading in Cape Town. We've got Edgy in the house from New York. I'm also sitting here holding the house down and we're just talking about uh, fashion, the state of fashion 2020. We are sort of um, aligning it to this report from the McKinsey. And um, I want to touch on materials revolution. We spoke about sustainability and we're speaking about how sustainability is also a key factor but then at the same time what the question becomes what are the different elements 
that constitute towards you positioning yourself as a sustainable brand or as a sustainable whatever. So let's talk about materials revolution. The fact that obviously there's brands and a lot of different uh, companies who are sort of going or looking at alternative materials, um, including sustainable substitutes. Again, sustainable has to be redefined here because we, it's been abused now. But what do you think, what are your thoughts on the idea of looking at alternative materials as brands which we have already accepted and con uh, when we've spoken about this on this show we already accepted that this is a very expensive affair in this continent but let's talk about it a bit what are your thoughts edgy well, and well i mean if you're looking at sustainability let's say you've chosen your parameter to be like your dedicated parameter for sustainability to be alternative fabrics for instance like you don't want to use cotton you want to use maybe you want to use organic cotton you want to use vegan leather or something right so if that's what you've chosen to be your, your, your sustainability point, then you're going to have to find ways to source that fabric or to source that material. And in you sourcing that material, of course, you're empowering the person who makes the, the material, you know? Either you're going to, maybe he doesn't make enough that you want, or maybe you don't have enough that satisfies or that, that because again, the guy who is producing the fabric, he has capacity to, to, to meet. So if he doesn't make capacity, he's losing money because it's costing him more to make little bits and for you. So it's, that's where collaborations begin to be again super important because you could say, look, it's not where I, I'm not where where I need to be at the moment, but this is where we could go together. And if you help me, you know. So I think again we have to choose our sustainability uh, parameters, and then that is and 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 then work towards those. Now, if you've chosen that your sustainability point is to make sure that nobody working in your office is underpaid, that's another point. But, but I, actually, I mean, what, I want, what I wanted to really touch on is to just focus on what you think about this, uh, the, the revolution of materials and like, is it something that you think is going to be uh, good when it comes to impact in the industry? Do you think that those who actually, those brands who focus on changing the materials uh, uh, um, to you know, towards a more sustainable angle, are going to win? Is this is that we're going to hold the industry together? Is it a winning factor or a losing factor for you? What are your what's your two cents? Yay or nay for that? Winning or losing? Uh, it's hard to say. I think it could be it could be a winning factor if you get it right. Great, com yeah. but great contribution. Yeah, but but okay. let's talk yes. about that mountain of plastic that we have in the ocean, right? The plastics that. Um, mm -hmm. Because I believe, I believe that uh, Hoover is using plastic, infusing it with cotton. They're making a certain kind of fabric from it, and we're actually using for T-shirts. And Adidas is one of the companies I think that's also doing that, because we're sitting with a mountain of waste that's going to be turned into something that's uh, not maybe sustainable, but it can be reused. I mean, what mm -hmm. you do with all the plastic? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I mean, it's free. We are already, I mean, they're already building houses by filling up Coke bottles, plastic bottles with all this plastic and rubbish and building homes with it, which is a quite a good idea, you know? I say something, Shweb, and I'm curious. How accessible is rubbish here? Because, you know, people don't know. I know it stays. Look at me like I'm crazy. The reason I say this is because we've got government. We've got, sorry. So you've got like curtails that actually also run the trash industry you know that 
Meaning you can't just yeah, wake yeah. up. You can't just wake up and say, "Ah, oh, my name's Liz today. I just want to do this swimwear collection, and I just want to use the trash." The trash is freaking controlled by the freaking mafia. So we have to also yeah. be aware of the fact that we want we what we want. Even if you change your mindset and you decide as a brand today, I want to focus on being sustainable when it comes to the materials that I'm using, and I want the trash. Boy, we're about to buy trash. <laughs> Edgy, it's hard. It's hard in Africa. Oh. We're about to buy our own trash. <laughs> you might as well freaking keep it in the backyard. <laughs> you know, um, this is another big topic, guys, about trash. <laughs> but because... you know that, you know, right? Liz, yes. Liz, you know that we can create with all this. I mean, we don't even have like a trash uh, conservation culture. Just imagine if someone, like what Shweb was saying, if somebody was dedicated to just r recycling reusable cotton in africa right where everyone who wants to be a sustainable brand from that point can access fabrics like this that's huge you know it's a very big good point guys this is a point for another time we're gonna have to wave on this show we're gonna have edgy on this show we're gonna have anybody else who wants to talk about trash i think we definitely have to bring in a swimwear designer one of these nice cool designers in cape town who actually really have changed that and taken up that rubbish and actually turned it into beautiful um swimwear or, or clothing but i think this is a very big topic it's also a very sensitive topic but sensitive in the sense that you know we talk about everything here right so the guys don't worry we'll be talking about it we'll be unpacking it but we have to talk about it so that those who are in it can can share what the experience is. Those who are out of it, I want to be in, can also understand the dynamics. Nothing is just open. You, we have to share this information so that by the time you're going in, it's like having or doing your research. For those who don't want to research. Guys, I'm closing this conversation and moving to the next, please, because it's not closing itself, okay? So please, <laughs> Shweb and Edgy, I want to touch quickly on um, cross-border challengers. And this is basically with a focus on established um, um, industry people who are sort of facing competition from Asian challenges so it includes small and medium-sized um enterprises who are selling directly to global consumers what are your thoughts on that edgy and then we go to shuaib what are your thoughts no i mean brands who are selling i mean now I'm trying it's, to not understand it's not necessarily brands it could be just yeah. small it could be smes it could be whatever organization whichever it could be you as a as it could be anywhere in new york it could be it could be Y2K grading and his services, but those I'm focusing on those challenges who are actually focusing on selling directly to global consumers. So you know how you have Amazon, but then you have another. Okay, Afrik Stabel. Afrik Stabel is a yeah. good example of that. Afrik Stabel versus some production hub in China, who's mm -hmm, the biggest. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So, what are your thoughts when it comes to cross border? border cross border border trading but this is really the davids versus the goliaths because what you're doing as an amazon is you could be an amazon africa or whatever you can call yourself shosho shosho is there or let's just talk about the biggest one what's the big one in kenya right now it's called the uh, what's the biggest game changer right now when it comes to the logistics edgy help me there's a big big one this, this, uh, no, I don't know this company. But no, I'm looking no, for it. there's a big one, guys. Come, I'm gonna stop the show until we remember. Oh, you mean the? You mean what? You, you mean the Jumia, fashion thing? Jumia, Jumia. Oh, Jumia. Jumia. So yeah, Jumia oh, yeah, yeah, versus yeah. like Jumia. the Amazon, or okay, let's talk about even smaller ones. Africa Stabel is a great example. Like Conga, 
it could be so, any anyone but what are your thoughts uh, about that do you think that that I'm, is the way forward and do you think winning formula of course of course i'm rooting for david every day <laughs> for that one no you have to understand like africa is like africa is like the bedrock of so many amazing innovations in terms of fashion right our culture itself lends itself so well to fashion you know color vibrancy all of these things you know so we have a lot to cross border sell to other people we just not having the capacity you know like even when you look at it from okay even africa stable for instance a company like that over a small period of time can become very well known for what they do like it's not chinese produced fabric it's real authentic african print printed in africa done in africa you know and that is a story that is sellable you know and we have to support that story we have to use them we have to buy them we have to buy africa stable to support that story and the same thing like the trash thing we're talking about someone who comes in and recycles african fabrics and can sell it overseas because that's a huge market there and africa has we don't even have this trash processing culture just imagine if we had it you know because there's not going to be a whole lot of people struggling fighting with that guy for trash he would have the whole trash market you know at least like a big trash operator in africa is not going to have such an, a competitive environment like others where the trash culture is already established you know so it's i think it's a it's a good goal for me like it's a total yes thanks we need to do that thanks edgy shuwe what, what are your thoughts yay or nay all right edgy we're gonna move over mm -hmm. i think uh Shweb has stepped aside but we're gonna move over to two more things i want to talk about unconventional conventions which obviously i think is all i would say hashtag disruptive and then i want to talk about digital recalibration which is basically more around um fashion tech and all of that stuff like i said like what matilda's doing um definitely the future of fashion but how do you see this um what what do you what is your two cents on this in terms of digital fringes no it's just in terms of how we are moving forward when it comes to what's going to really things we need to really pay attention to this year uh, when it comes to fashion and the fact that i'm saying when i speak about unconventional conventions it could be anything it could be things we haven't even thought about right now but it's just like i said hashtag disruptive meaning that whatever it is is going to be really um really a game changer and really a game changer for advance not for i think we have to look at uh, we have to look at we have to look at common com um, we have to look at evolving trends in retail like underground retail like offline retail there are a lot of things happening in offline retail that are going to be mind changing like um they're going to be they're going to affect the trajectory of retail i know for the past five years online has been growing but there's a growing return to retail as we know it to experiential retail and i think there's things happening in that space that we have to keep an eye on you know there's something happening in 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 offline retail just the boutiques the stores how how that is adapting to the to the challenges of online retail because the consumer still wants an experience the consumer still wants to be able to try their outfit physically and buy it they they, they want to feel that high so how retail is yes the right now 
the need for convenience is overriding that high, but that high is also growing. The, 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 the need to experience retail, the need to go and touch and feel and try and try, that need is still there. You know, like we used to say, the newspaper would die because of online news, but well, the newspaper didn't die, you know? <laughs> yeah, so uh, retail is re-evolving. It's like, I think it's, it's important to see what's happening in that space. I think we have to keep an eye on that space. Hey, Joe, thank you for your insights, Shuwebe. Thank you so much for your insights, guys. This has been us really trying to unpack um, on um, key elements that we feel would be something worth unpacking a little bit and sort of, uh, you know, maybe comparing notes. You look at your business, you look at what's happening, you look at how you want to move and advance in this industry in 2020. I used the State of uh, Fashion 2020 report uh, from McKinsey, and uh, that was in collaboration with Business of Fashion. But I think that this has been really important for those who have been tuned into the show uh you know we have to plug in to this side of ourselves we have to plug into this side of our businesses and i think that like we say some people say it's, uh, we take it personal don't take it personal business is personal and uh our advancement is personal so yes sometimes we have to go back into the roots 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 and really think about what we are doing and how we are doing it and how we can do it differently and better to, you know, move ourselves forward in the best way possible. Um, I would like us to roll over because it's time to roll over. Should we take a music break or should we just roll straight over to the wine style guide? <laughs> music break. <laughs> it's time for your wine style guide. Brought to you by Liz Ogunga Wines. All right, guys. Now, it is time for that wine style guide. Now, Edgy, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bash you on there right now. But what happened mm -hmm. was that you asked for, <laughs> ask for music and you don't even dance, you know? So, like, we ask, ask you for a music break and not dancing and I'm dancing alone. We should, have, we should have a split screen where you're standing on one side and I'm getting it down on this other side and then people can actually see and, you know, get the music break together. But... This is the wine style guide, guys. I think wine and style definitely go hand in hand. Uh, and we've been doing this, and I think it's a nice, fun way to sort of wind down the show. Um, Edgy, we're going to start with you. And I'm very proud of you, Edgy, for those who are listening. Guys, Edgy has come a long way because he don't even drink wine. Boy, I tell you, he don't even drink wine, you know. <laughs> he don't drink wine, but he contributes very passionately, and he even does his research. Talk about acquiring information. Yay? Yay. So, wine style <laughs> guide, here we are. If you're on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, Instagram and Facebook, we are on Fashion Lab Africa. Uh, share with us your wine style guide for today, which is sort of your wine etiquette. If you're on uh, Twitter, we are on Fashion Lab AF. We definitely want to hear from you. It is wine style guide. Edgy, what do you have for us today? Uh, so today I went back to like wine basics. Like I'm, I'm telling myself, why am I reading all about this wine, wine, wine? Where does wine come from? You know, <laughs> what is wine even made? Is it made out of oranges or stuff? You know, <laughs> so it was very interesting. So it's like, so I'm reading that wine comes from two kinds of grapes. You know, that they have the table grapes. I mean, then the, they have like specific wine grapes that are just those wine grapes have seeds. You know. And then they're, they're like t uh, table grapes that have seeds. Um, so wine comes from these two types of grapes. And I think the, the, the wine grapes are the ones that are actually the ones used for making <laughs> wine, you know? So I'm just reading up on like the origin of wine, like what it comes from. So 
I'm still I'm still a work in progress, but I, I got to understand today, um, like just reading up that wine actually does come from a particular kind of uh, that's a grape that is grown just specifically for wine. I didn't know that. Well, there's different grapes, but Edgy, thank you very much for doing your research and trying to find out more about wine and, you know, what it means and stuff like that. Guys, um, today I'm feeling lonely in the wine booth, so I don't <laughs> even know. <laughs> My mind's racing and I'm thinking, what do I want to tell you about wine? I know that I spoke about this before, but I'm sorry. It's very serious. When I speak about something two times, because I don't really speak about things twice, then it's a very serious thing and it's coming from a place of please change it because I will faint if I see one more of that. So, please, guys, I know that it's hot in Brazil. I know it's hot in Thailand. I know it's hot in Jamaica. I know it's hot even in Diani. Guys, please, can we stop freezing the damn red wine? Like, put the thing out, please. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> Please, please. If I see one more red wine bottle coming from the frigo, ça va me tuer vraiment. Ça va me tuer. I will die. Oh. I go die. <laughs> Guys, seriously, on a serious note, I could tell you so much more on my wine style guide today, but that's the one thing I'm just making emphasis on it. So it's sitting in an island. Please stop freezing your red wine. I know it's hot. Jeez. Bali, what do you think? What is your wine style guide today, Bali? Say something powerful. Cheers. My wine style guide for this week is hold your glass by the stem or use the base. <laughs> um, believe it or not, this is a practical tip or guide more than it is bougie. <laughs> so your hands are generally warm. Even when you're feeling cold, your hands have a temperature. They are warmer uh, because it is your body. So if you hold your glass at the top rather than holding it by the stem or the base, you take the or you run the risk of actually making your wine warm or change the temperature of your wine. So that's my wine style guide for this week. Just make sure that you hold your glass by the stem or the base. Thank you. Somebody's doing her homework. Thank you, Bali. Bali insists, guys, hold it by the stem. That's true. Guys, it's very basic today. Don't why don't don't mind us. Edgy came a bit light and then you know I had one point that I wanted to re-emphasize. But this is the wine style guide coming to you live and direct from Fashion Lab. And we are going to roll over to the Fashion Lab top three guys. Ooh, you? <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm confused. I wanna dance for a minute. Can we maybe dance for 30 seconds? Just to warm up okay. to the close. Edgy, you say, okay, you put your video on and you dance because we're not playing. Yeah. We're taking a music <laughs> break so we can dance right now just for a few minutes, guys, because it's that few minutes to the close of the show. Edgy, I hope you are dancing, guys. This is the Fashion Lab, and we've been talking about this key, key elements that you have to think about as a fashion business today because it's a serious thing, you know. And um, <laughs> I think we want to roll over to the Fashion Lab Top 3 before we wind down. Fashion Lab Top 3, Edgy, you're doing two because Shuaib left. Maybe he left because of you. And then I do one. So come on. <laughs> come, come now. Fashion Lab Top 3. I think I'm going to echo. My number one will be to echo what Shuaib said. Mm -hmm. Collaboration. Mm -hmm. I like that. That's, that would be mine. That would be my number one. Mm -hmm. And then my number two will be choose your sustainability point. Like, choose where, how you want to be sustainable. Mm -hmm. 
Guys, that's Edgy, and I love that. Edgy is talking about point number one, and Fashion Lab Top 3 is basically just help guide you because sometimes we talk, this is a long show, we go long. So the idea is to just guide you so you can actually have a sort of basic key elements that you can run with um, that guide you throughout what we were really talking about in the show. His first one is definitely sustainability and understanding what your sustainability angle is. And the second one, Edgy, what was the second one? The the second one, I, I'm just saying that collaboration. Choose you, yeah, collaboration. Yes, that's the one that Suede has talked about. Yes, I think it's important for us to to focus on collaborations. Yeah, I think we so. We don't have to be afraid. To. I I think so too. Collaborations is key, and I'm gonna bring in the third one, which I think is very important: is spend more time acquiring information, Africa. And this is not just for Africa, it's for the world because I'm a global citizen. I have a right to talk to anyone any way I want. So I'm just saying it's not just Africa, but obviously my heart. This is my soul. This is my heartbeat. So from here, I find that we spend too much time. You guys are spending too much time on social media, on Instagram, taking selfies and things. Listen, thank God for Instagram and what they just did. Did you see what they just did? They just removed the numbers. So now if you have like likes, (laughs) like you could have a million likes or one like. But then what happens is Instagram just puts and others. So, so, so for you who's feeling challenged, for those who are going through self-esteem problems, I don't know, whatever it was, for those who are dealing with it mentally, it's affecting you negatively. And I'm not making a joke out of this. These things affect people in different ways. But thank you, Instagram, for removing that likes thing because for some, for some people you put it up, it's fine. For some people it's a... It's a thing. It's almost like that's your defining moment. You're spending so much time worrying about your likes, but you're not spending enough time worrying about how, what is the current situation is going to affect your business. You don't know what you need to do. You don't even know what's happening, but you're on the likes. So thank you, Instagram, for helping with that. Guys, you need to focus on acquiring information and knowledge because it is a, a part of, of what will set you ahead. It helps you focus. It helps you know what do I do differently tomorrow? It helps you know, I'm not going to set up a shop at the Michelangelo this year because this is this is a bad year because of this and that. If you're busy on Instagram looking at likes, how are you going to know that? Anyway, guys, <laughs> that's my two cents. It's okay to have your likes. I'm not mad at you. But we are moving on to the end of the show. This is my favorite segment at the end of the show. And it's called... Who would you want to dress? who would you want to dress guys tell us now edgy i'm coming to you maybe let's start with bali (laughs) bali who would you want to dress okay should we start with edgy on bali let's start with bali bali on this week's who would i like to dress or who do i want to dress i actually want to dress south african radio host tv personality tv presenter actress Tando Tabete. She is bowing out of radio after 11 years in the industry and six years at 5FM. So um, I think she's really done a lot for women in radio and just for the radio business. And she's beautiful. She's sexy. She's got it going on. And this week, because we're in South Africa, I'd like to dress Tando Tabete. Yay, yay, yay. Edgy, who would you want to dress and why? Today, I think I want to dress Udwak uh-huh. because she always looks amazing in yellow. Uh-huh. So I've been thinking. I know, right? To, she always, and she I wears know, a lot of yellow. She's just incredibly yellow. So I was thinking of throwing like a yellow, thinking about like she's in, in New York and throwing a yellow slouchy fit overcoat on her, like a long grand coat 
with some tall leggy uh, knee knee highs on her, on it with it. It's very cool. Yeah, she was always in yellow. I, I, I have two yellow things in my wardrobe and I am scared of wearing them every time I look at them I'm like you know what the sun is shining no no listen today I want to dress everybody who likes to look different everybody who wants to wear something that's gonna make them feel like a brand new whoever um, and I say that because that's what I feel when I've been thinking about my fashion business lately and I feel like I even I'm challenged. I'm like I'm not giving it enough attention. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. But then I was like, what am I doing? And I said, why don't I focus on what I'm doing? And I was like, what I'm doing is I create quite boldly and unapologetically. And not everyone wear my pieces, but for those who care, I think everybody who want to wear me, I want to dress you this week. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> and then for obviously, yes, for our listeners who've been tuned in, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, share with us your thoughts. Also reach out to us. For more information about Fashion Lab Africa, visit fashionlabafrica.com. That's where you can also uh, download the podcast or stream onto the podcasts that you have missed. If you got the show now, you definitely missed the show here live, but you haven't missed a thing. Uh, we're also on iTunes, on uh, Spotify, on Google Play, on... Uh, uh, on, uh, on the, God, you know, I mix these things up with my music and the thing. But guys, <laughs> fashionlabafrica.com, Fashion Lab Radio, we're on Fashion Lab Africa. We love to hear from you. If you really want to contribute or you want to share your thoughts in a different way or you want to join us on the show, email us at info at fashionlabafrica.com. And uh, until next week, it is toodles. Fashion Lab Africa. Real conversations, real fashion.